Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good. I say that always, but this week I've actually got a cold, so I hope it doesn't annoy the listeners too much. Um, we're going to start over in China. This is a card that really has to be talked about, a really, really strange one. Ian Lewison went over there to fight for the vacant WBO Asia-Pacific heavyweight title. I don't really understand how he's eligible to win that belt, but he went over to face an unbeaten heavyweight prospect, 7-0, ZU1. And, um, sorry, ZU Wu. And Ian Lewison actually knocked him out in the second round and pulled the upset here. Uh, it was it was a body shot, and the man stayed down, and that was the end of that. So he's, I don't know if that was a smart move from whoever the promoter is out there in China, but Ian Lewison racks up another win nonetheless. So 15 fights in his career now, 12 wins, two losses, and one draw. And that prospect is going to have to go back to the drawing board there and work on that body area. That's it really for that card over in China. The other card in China, top of the bill, Javier Fortuna. He was defending his WBA World Super Featherweight title against Jason Sosa. Javier Fortuna ended up losing. So he went into this bout with a 29-0 record, one draw on his record. But, you know, he was unbeaten in, 20, in 30 fights. And Jason Sosa now picks up the win. So Jason Sosa, 19 wins, one loss and four draws. Javier Fortuna, 29-1 with the one draw. That's it for China. We're now going to go over to the UK over in Scotland. Gary Cornish picked up another win. This is his first fight back from losing to Anthony Joshua with a devastating knockout in the first round. Gary Cornish now moves to 23-1 and with a points win over six rounds over Thomas Mazarek, who's been in there with a lot of top heavyweights. He's a proper journeyman. Um, that's it for for Scotland. We're now going to go over to Belgium. Friend of the show, Joe Fournier extended his win streak to five wins, all five by knockout within two rounds. So a good win there for Joe Fournier over a fairly experienced guy who had over 50 fights. So it's a good win for Joe Fournier there in the second round, this one. Uh, I think that's three on the spin in the second round now for Joe Fournier. So good stuff for him. That's it for Belgium. We're now going to go over to the big one, London O2 Arena. Where should we start on this, Bill Eyes? I think we're going to start with the bottom of the card. Felix Cash actually picked up a points win after four rounds. He had his man down in the first round, and I thought he was pretty impressive, Felix Cash. But at the end of the day, his opponent had only had one fight, and it was a loss. So... Felix Cash definitely one to look out for. There was a lot of knockouts on that build. There was only two fights that went in the distance, actually. Those two fights was the Felix Cash fight and the 
Groves and Murray fight, which we'll talk about in a minute. Also on the card, Connor Ben, he moved to three and oh with an impressive knockdown. Uh, sorry, knockout in the first round. He had his man down twice. So a good win for Connor Ben. Ted Cheeseman picked up a TKO in round five and he extends his winning record to five and oh. His win over Danny Little. Anthony Agogo was also on the bill. His bout wasn't televised, but he moved to 10 and oh. His opponent retired on his stall at the end of round one. He was down from a left late on in that first round, and he didn't come out for the second and retired on his stool. So a good win there for Antonia Gogo. Cal Yafai was also on the bill. He got a TKO in the first round over his opponent, Joseph Ajtai. Joseph Ajtai went into this bout with 18 fights under his belt, and so did Cal Yafai. Cal Yafai with the 18 wins, Ajtai with 15 wins and three losses. But Cal Yafai now 19-0 and 0 and a good knockout here in the first round. Dillian White was also on the bill in what I thought was a bit of a boring contest, to be totally honest. He had his man down during the fight with a right hook. Dillian White, just uh, to be honest, he looked a bit more lean than he did in that Joshua fight, but he... I don't know, he, he just didn't really impress me. Like I say, he got the KO in round six. And his opponent, I don't really think, came to fight. He came to sort of really make it ugly. It was just one of them fights. He almost, it reminded me a little bit. It wasn't as bad as. But when Derek Chisora fought that Argentinian, I forgot his name now, and it went about eight rounds. And then the Argentinian come over and fought Joshua, and Joshua wiped him out. It was Hector Avila. That was his name. Joshua wiped him out within a couple of rounds, and it was just a real bore fest from Derek Chisora. It was kind of like that for Dillian White. It just didn't look the usual Dillian White, but nonetheless, he picks up another win. It goes another six rounds, and his record now is 17-1, and one. so Dillian White moving ever closer up the ladder again. There was an upset on the bill. John Wayne Hibbert, he got a good opportunity to fight for the vacant WBC silver super lightweight title. Hibbert was cut on his right eye in the second round uh, he was down from a right also in the fifth round the bout was halted following a doctor's inspection of Hibbert's damaged eye in the sixth round so it went down as a TKO victory for Andrea Scarpa I think he came and put a good account of himself in to be honest I think he's definitely one to look out for he looked absolutely huge at the weight so Andrea Scarpa now 20 wins two losses John Wayne Hibbert very very unlucky 17 wins and four losses for him Moving up this card now, yet another knockout. Chris Eubank Jr. faced off against Tom Doran. We had Tom Doran on the show last week. Chris Eubank Jr. going into this bout 22-1. and Tom Doran 17-0, and undefeated. Doran was down once in the third round and three times in the fourth round. So Chris Eubank Jr. moves to 23-1. and Tom Doran picks up his first career blemish, 17-1 and now his record. And of course, Chris Eubank Jr. gets... Gets a successful defence of his British middleweight title. So it'd be interesting to see what's going on here, Ayers, because they're talking a lot about the Golovkin fight. This is a real strange thing that's going on. I know that Eddie Hearn and Barry Hearn and Matram are promoting Chris Eubank Jr. I'm not sure what sort of deal they've got, but they're saying this week that Eddie Hearn was saying that we will know within a week if the Golovkin fight is going to happen because it's supposed to get made within seven days of the fight night. So for them to say that, that is very close to, you know, seven seven days is, is, is not a lot of time to get a fight made. So obviously things are being talked about pretty deep. And Barry Hearn, I believe it was, said that 
he's sure, he's 95% sure that Golovkin and his team want the fight, but he's only 55% sure that Chris Eubank Jr. and his team want the fight. So it's a bit of a strange one. It's quite weird. They're not, they're not really backing their man. I don't, I can't quite get, I know that I can't help but think it's some sort of tactical thing, but I really, I really don't know. I mean, I really want to see that fight. What do you think of that fight? I know that obviously Chris Eubank Sr. has made it quite apparent that, you know, the British title is a really great title and it's one that, that he wants Junior to, you know, to hold and to win. But you've obviously got to defend that title three times in order to keep the belt. So obviously if they're talking about the Golovkin fight next, he's not going to have a chance to defend that that belt, I believe, another two times. I think Doran was his first uh, his first defence from from taking the title away from Nick Blackwell. So what do you think, Ayers? I mean, will he defend his belt two more times or will he go straight into that Golovkin fight? What do you think is going to happen and what do you want to happen? From my opinion, if I was Chris Eubank Jr., I wouldn't take the Golovkin fight right now. See, the problem is, obviously, if Golovkin's pound for pound, which everyone knows that by, uh, which is, uh, in my opinion, I reckon he's pound for pound. And personally, the level of opposition that Chris Eubank Jr. has had is not at that standard yet. And obviously, Chris Eubank Jr. is a young fighter. I say, give him like, I say he should fight Chris Eubank Jr. in 2017. Not 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 in September, which has been rumoured this meant to be fighting. I think that if Chris Eubank Jr. fights Golovkin, Golovkin will knock him out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird one because you're right. He hasn't fought the opposition. But, I mean, I really do believe in Eubank Jr. I think he's world class. I know he's only been in there with you know, British level fighters at best sort of thing, apart from Billy Joe. And I think that Billy Joe done well to beat him. And Billy Joe obviously is world-class, but it's just, it's a weird one. It really is a weird one. I mean, I know that there's a lot to say about that fight. Eubank Jr. really started late in that fight. He gave away the first, the first six or seven rounds and um, he didn't get beaten up badly. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was still a pretty close-ish fight. It was like maybe two rounds to Billy Joe. And, um, it's just a weird one. I don't understand what's going to happen because why are Eddie Hearn and Barry Hearn making it quite apparent that, that, that you know, Golovkin really does want this fight and he will be coming over to the UK, no problem to fight Eubank Jr. Why would they be saying that so much if, you know, if Eubank wasn't going to take the fight? Because they're kind of not backing their man. I can't really understand it. But I'm sure that we will know within within the next couple of days, surely. Um, it's, you know, it's been a few since Saturday now, so it's, it's getting closer. There's probably about three or four days left now until that seven days is up. So hopefully we will see something, some sort of movement, but that would be a cracking fight. That really would be. It's, you know, that would be a brilliant fight. I really hope it does get made. But yeah, like I said, I don't know if they're going to, if they're going to give him that fight. I don't know if, if that would be a wise fight for Chris Eubank Jr. But I tell you what, if he takes the fight and he goes and puts in a good account of himself, I have, suddenly, you know, even if he loses, I mean, if he won, that would be incredible. But even if he loses, but he puts up a good account of himself, that makes him a world-level fighter now, you know? But you've got to ask questions, haven't you? You know, he went out there and won the interim WBA world title. He was in the mix to fight Danny Jacobs. He decided to give up the title and go back down to British level. What was that about? Why didn't they do that before they come up to world title level? I don't, I read that just, I want the answer to that. That's a really, really strange scenario. Whenever do you see people do that? Drop down a level without even losing. 
It was really weird. But anyways, that's it for Chris Eubank Jr.'s fight with Tom Doran. Very unlucky, Tom Doran. I wish him all the best with the future. Also on the bill, a lot of people talking about it as one of the fights of the year before it was made. I personally didn't think it really lived up to expectations. George Groves against Martin Murray. This was the second fight of two on the whole bill that went to the decision. I'm glad that there wasn't a knockout. I didn't think there was going to be a knockout. I thought it was going to be two guys going all the way to the end. None of them deserved to be stopped at all during the fight. George Groves extended his win record to 24-3. and three. Martin Murray now 33-4 and four with the one draw. So George Groves defended successfully his WBA international super middleweight title. Murray made the weight at the second attempt. Now, Murray was um, a tiny bit over the weight, which was interesting because, of course, a lot of people were saying that George was very tight at the weight and he made it, he seemed to make it pretty easily on the day. Um, I was there at the weight and he seemed he seemed all right on the scales up and close. I know a lot of people don't agree, but I think he looked all right. And Martin Murray, of course, coming a bit heavy. Remember, he's had most of his career at you know at middleweight. So that was, that was quite interesting, that factor there. But I tell you what, Martin Murray, he come and put a good account of himself, as we all knew he was going to do. Towards the the fight being made, I actually was almost swinging a little bit Murray's way during fight week. I really was. I just had this gut feeling that he was going to pull off the upset. But George Groves did what a lot of people expected he'd do. But like I say, it was a good fight. It was a good fight. Martin Murray didn't start too well. But during some of the middle rounds, he was quite good. And round 12 was a, was a round where they were both just swinging at each other. But it was, it, was, um, it was a good round. But they were both absolutely finished. And I tell you what, George Groves, a lot of people were saying it. And a lot of people know that he has a bad gas tank, okay? And I have been critical of him in the past for saying he's got a bad gas tank. But in this fight, I think even though he was pretty, you know, exhausted at the end of the at the end of the fight, and by the way, very classy interview from him after the fight, even though he was exhausted, it was that kind of fight. It was that kind of pace fight. He was actually fighting decent on the inside. You know, Murray was trying to fight on the inside. And when he was fighting on the inside, he was landing the more telling shots, George Groves. So I was very, very impressed with his inside style of fighting. We didn't really get to see that in any of his previous fights. Paddy Fitzpatrick was saying about about that was his weakness, but you wouldn't have ever thought so the way he fought. Um, I will say that... He did look exhausted, but I think that was because of the pace the fight was being fought at. It was kind of at Murray's pace. Um, George Groves, you know, we didn't even see too much of his jab. When he did use it, he looked good. But it was just that kind of a fight. It was like a proper fight rather than a boxing match. And I will say that I'm going to give a little bit of credit to Shane McGuigan on this one, Iaz, because I think that George Groves, like I say, he was exhausted because of the pace that the fight was fought at. But I think... That's the only reason why. I think if it was at like a, you know, maybe fought at his pace, he would have done really okay. You know, if it was fought at the at the pace that like the, maybe the Badu Jack fight was fought at, I think he would come through that with, you know, with more stamina. I actually think he didn't, he didn't seem too bad in round 10 and 11. He impressed me because I always think that he gasses after about five rounds, whereas it maybe took him 10 rounds of this fast paced fight to start slowing down a bit. So I was quite impressed. And I put that, I probably have to give credit to Shane McGuigan. I'll have to put it down to Shane McGuigan because he's been with a few different trainers now, George Groves, and he seemed to have this problem with all of them. 
And, um, you know, it's interesting to see him with with that much energy. So I like that. You know, George Groves is looking a force again and hopefully he'll get a shot. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be, I believe it's supposed to be with Felix Sturm or or Fedor Chudinov. I'm not too sure what's going on with that whole fiasco, but hopefully something gets sorted out pretty soon and we see George Groves challenge for another world title that's it for the supporting main event we're now going to go over to the main event Anthony Joshua against Dominic Brazil Anthony Joshua 16 and 0 16 knockouts Dominic Brazil 17 and 0 15 knockouts somebody's O had to go it was for the IBF world heavyweight title of course the title that Anthony Joshua holds um I have to be honest this was this went a lot longer than what people thought it was going to go. Dominic Brazil, a lot of people were saying it was going to be a second round knockout. I myself thought it might even be the first round. I wasn't very impressed with Dominic Brazil going into this fight. He looked very confident on fight week. And I just hope that he would provide a test for Anthony Joshua. He didn't really test him because you couldn't say he won even a 30 second spell of any part of the fight. He was just, you know, he was behind the whole time. Didn't even come close to snatching a fraction of a round, but Anthony Joshua, we've now seen him go into the seventh round for the second time in his career. The first one against Dillian White, this one against Dominic Brazil. He ended up getting the TKO in round seven. Anthony Joshua throwing repetitively the same punches, the straight left, the straight right, sorry, the straight left and the, and and the right hook, which he always seems to do. Um, he was piercing through Dominic Brazil's guard when he was pushing that jab through. And, he, you know, his jab was pretty telling. He landed it quite a lot this fight, probably more than more than the majority of his other fights put together. You know, it, it is what it is. Anthony Joshua gets another win and moves to 17-0 with 17 knockouts. But we didn't see him tested. We just saw that Brazil... We found out more about Brazil than we found out about Anthony Joshua in this fight. I think that's a fair assessment. Brazil's a lot tougher than everybody gave him credit for. I actually think if he can go seven rounds with Joshua, then he could give someone like Deontay Wilder a good test. You know, he he could give any of those fringe world level guys a, a test as well. I think it would be a good fight between him and Bermain Stavern or something like that. You know, that would be a good a good fight. I'd like to see him back against Dillian White, Dominic Brazil. I think that'd actually be a good clash of styles, that fight. But like I say, Anthony Joshua just extends his record and we don't really know again if he's got a good chin or not. We haven't really seen him tested with it. He got caught in the temple with that shot from Dillian White, that left hook. And uh, we, we need to see it put on Anthony Joshua to see what he really is made of. So what do you think, Ayaz? I mean, were you impressed with Joshua? What's your assessment of the whole thing? To be honest, it's another Joshua performance. He's knocked. I mean, this wasn't this is was his 17th fight. 17th knockout, yeah. 17 knockout. So technically, it's been another Joshua performance. He's knocking out people. The thing is, he hasn't really been tested. So technically, he's not at that standard yet. As a fighter, he's still growing as a fighter. Like, if you look at the fight yet, you have to admit it was similar to the Dillian White fight, wasn't it? But obviously, the Dillian White fight was a bit personal compared to this. They both went to seven rounds. They both got they both got knocked out. And obviously, Joshua is still the champion, right? The thing is, now, I'll tell you what you said, like how um, you guys think that Joshua should fight Bermain Stevern. I agree with you because the thing is, Bermain Stevern, he'll take him rounds. Joshua needs the rounds. The thing is, he hasn't been past seven rounds. If he goes past eight, nine rounds, that's when we see how good he is. Yeah, this is what I want to see. This is, I want to see someone land on him. I know that people might not agree with me here, but everybody's making a big scene out of 
Deontay Wilder defending his title against Chris Ariola. Chris Ariola, I do not rate him or put him anywhere near world level whatsoever. But he is the only fighter I can think of in the heavyweight division who has a fight and goes into that fight with the real mentality of nothing to lose. He jumps on his opponents. You sort of, I know it's not, he, he may not do this the same way to someone like Joshua, but you see the way he just jumped all over Seth Mitchell and basically ended his career. He just absolutely jumped all over him. Like, you know, it was just like like Mike Tyson, the way he would come out and the, the stuff he would do. It was almost a bit like that. And I just think that he would jump all over um, Anthony Joshua and put some serious pressure on him. And that is what I want to see. I want to see Joshua with a bit of pressure on him. I want to see how he copes under real pressure. You know, Dillian White just didn't have the body, the physique, the energy, anything like that to to, to, to stand there and fight with Joshua. And neither does Ariola, but he will for the first one or two rounds, and then he gets knocked out. If he gets past, if Joshua gets past those first couple of rounds, then he gets knocked out. This is why, even though Deontay Wilder is, you know, he's massive favourite to knock Ariola out, and I think definitely if it goes past the third round, Ariola be looking to go, but he will jump on him for that first couple of rounds. He's always dangerous early, Ariola, so you've got to be really clever, really, really clever, and would Joshua be clever enough? I don't know. We'd have to wait and see, but if Ariola does get beat, he probably won't get another chance and he shouldn't really get another chance because he's pretty lucky to get this one. I don't know where he came from in the WBC rankings. Apparently, I was reading something that he wasn't even in the top 50 and then suddenly he creeped into the top 15 at number 15 when Deontay Wilder was looking at, at that fight for his defence, you know, after the pullout, the, the big fiasco of the drug testing and stuff with Alexander Povetkin. So... It's a strange one, and Al Heyman is definitely uh, a man, a, a good man to have your back. So um, we're going to leave that there. But like I say, I will just say Brazil, he, he took a lot of Joshua's shots flush, and he was just walking through them. So I'll give him a lot of credit. He's a lot tougher than we thought. You know, his shots, Joshua's shots, and he was landing some good shots. They just were not moving Brazil for a, for a large part of that fight. But that's it for the UK. We're now going to go over to Louisiana, USA. Just want to mention one fighter. We like to keep our eye on this one. We know he's a good fighter and a good prospect to look out for in the lightweight division. It was only a six-rounder. He won unanimously after six rounds. Devin Haney, he cruised to 7-0. and oh. He won every round that this fight against Clay Burns. So a good win there for Devin Haney. And we look to see him do some big things. As I said last week, he's only 17 years old and he's making some serious waves around the world. Now we know about him here at this podcast. He's a good, good fighter. Now we're going to go over to the Barclays Center. Um, we're going to start with top of the bill, Keith Furman, 26-0 against Sean Porter, 26-1 with the one draw. This was for Keith Furman's WBA World Welterweight title. I, as we started up the Prediction League last week, I went with Sean Porter on points, even though I fancied Keith Furman, by the way. I just wanted to go against you just to make it interesting. You went with Keith Furman on points. What happened, Ayers? Who's in the lead? I was in the lead, like the, like I said, Keith Furman to win. I tell you what, this was, in my opinion, this was a war. Obviously, Keith Furman and Sean Porter are good friends, but when it comes to a boxing match, obviously the the fighters obviously wants to win the fight, innit? And I tell you one thing, Furman was hitting, uh, landing on Porter. Porter was landing on Furman. It was like, to be honest, it was like a bit of a brawl. 
But obviously, um, a lot of people were saying that Porter should have won the fight. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Furman, in my opinion, won the fight. Yeah, I agree. I think that Furman won the fight. He landed the cleaner punches. Uh, Sean Porter is very... His boxing style is very crude, very ugly. Um, it's almost like, you know... He, he, that's what he does. He just, he just, he's a brawler. He just jumps on you, throws all these punches. It's overwhelming his fighting style, and it's, it's if you can cope under the pressure or not. It simply comes down to that. And I think that Keith Furman landed the better punches. He landed some good punches. Sean Porter, you know, he took the punches well as well, to be honest. And Keith Furman, I definitely think he won. I think he was the rightful winner. A lot of people were divided, but in my opinion, Keith Furman won that, despite Sean Porter. You know, the thing what tricks people is Sean Porter's always coming forward. You know, it's very hard to put Sean Porter on the back foot. That's why Kel Brook got a lot of credit when he beat Sean Porter, because he was able to put him on the back foot for parts of that fight. Not all of it. Sean Porter was coming forward. And it, it gives you the impression that, that, that the guy who's coming forward is winning the fight. It just does. And Keith Furman, he was on the back foot a lot which was impressive because it showed us that he can fight well on the back foot. And he landed the telling shots and he landed a lot of good shots from left hooks to, to, to right hooks and, you know, everything. Uppercuts. I think he was really good, Keith Furman. I really was quite impressed with him. And now I think it's legitimized him a little bit. A lot of people were saying, well, who's he fought? Who's he fought? And I think this is obviously the best win on his record. You know, this is, you know, Sean Porter's got some good wins himself. If, if anything, someone actually asked me, who's got the better wins on their record, Keith Furman or Sean Porter. And I had to think about it a little bit. And I think that Sean Porter's got the the better wins. Definitely the best name, you know, amongst the pair of them is, is Adrian Broner. Sean Porter beat Adrian Broner. Um, that's definitely the biggest win. But that Sean Porter, the way, I'm not saying Malinagi's a huge name, but the way he dealt with Malinagi was quite a statement so this is a really really good win for Keith Firm and I'm really impressed with him over here so he moves to 27 and oh Sean Porter now 26 and two no shame in those two losses both losing to world champions that's it for the Barclays Center Brooklyn we're now going to go over to the bomb factory in Dallas Texas top of the bill Matt Korobov he fought Brian Vera. So Matt Korobov going into this fight with a record of 25 wins and one loss. Brian Vera with a record of 23 wins and 10 losses. I always thought that Matt Korobov was going to win this fight pretty handily. And it turned out that he basically won every round. It was only an eight rounder. So Matt Korobov now 26 and one. Of course, that one loss coming to Andy Lee. Also on that bill, Mike Malhai Alvarado. He picked up his 36th win in 40 professional contests, he picked up the win over Josh Torres. It was only an eight-rounder at welterweight, and actually, Mike Alvarado won this fight via majority decision. I didn't actually see the fight, but it was very close, as, as you can tell, with a majority decision. So, nonetheless, Mike Alvarado picks up the 36th professional win. What a career he's had. And, of course, last week, we introduced a new part of the show. We were going to be talking about... Fighters with the craziest names. Ayaz, I don't know if you can remember the guy's name last week. Honey Boy Padillo, okay? He was set to fight his opponent. I can't remember who he was fighting, but he was 1-0, and and he was fighting in the Philippines, Honey Boy Padillo. Well, I'm here to give you some unfortunate news. He didn't lose the fight, no. 
The fight was postponed, so we've got no result, just purely a mention for Honey Boy Padillo. His fight has been postponed to the 9th of July, so hopefully we'll talk about him. He should have the craziest name that week, and we'll let you know how that fight gets on, but there's no result for you on that. But we will bring you the craziest name of this week. Okay, we've gone through this week's fights and I've found a good one. It's actually a woman, a woman called Petrus Super Champ. That is her name. She's facing a woman called Gretchen Abanyu. Now, Gretchen Abanyu has a record of 16 wins and eight losses. Petrus Super Champ has a record of six wins, zero losses, zero draws, so unbeaten. It's a contest with 10 two-minute rounds in the minimum weight division, and it's also for the vacant Women's International Boxing Association World Minimum Weight title. So it's actually for some sort of world title. It's an IBA world title, so I don't know how, how well regarded that is. It's certainly not regarded high in the, in the man's section of the sport, in the men's section of the sport, but in the women's section, it might be a good title to win. I don't know, but all the best to Petrus Super Champ. We're going to definitely read out her result next week. We hope you can beat Gretchen Abangel, who has a record of 16 wins and eight losses. So that'll be interesting. I know you like that part of the show, don't you? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I know that that's one of your favourite parts of the show. Okay, another... Another one of your favourite parts of the show, as it's your part of the show. Bring us some news for this week. July 9th's fight between Tyson Fury and Vladimir Klitschko has been postponed due to the fact that Tyson Fury has had an ankle injury. Yeah, we found out the news broke out about this during the weigh-in for the Joshua fight in Covent Garden. So everyone around there, including myself, was stunned by the news. We thought it was some sort of joke or some sort of ploy. Um, for some sort of entertainment from the Furies, but it really wasn't when we saw the photo evidence. And it's a real shame that this fight has been put off. It's weird because me personally, it just didn't feel like the fight was coming round in two weeks' time. It just it didn't feel like it. I wasn't excited for it. It was just weird. I I don't know why. I don't know if it was because of the Joshua was you know the Joshua fight was made before that, and I had a bit of excitement stolen by that or what, but. I just didn't feel excited for it. I don't know what that was about. Maybe I, I knew something. I don't know. Maybe I had some, some, uh, some, some sixth sense about that fight. But we're looking to hear a new date on that. I think they're talking about October. I hope it's still in the UK. I really hope it's not going to get moved to Germany because that will really raise a few question marks. But yeah, that's it for that part of news. Is there any more news for us, Ayers? A big one. Frank Warren has delivered Liam Smith a blockbuster fight as he would defend his WBO Super Waterweight belt against Mexican superstar Saul Canelo Alvarez on September 17th. Wow. September 17th. There's a lot of fights getting made around September time and May time. It's a, it's a lot. You know, usually that's Mayweather's two months, but it seems that Canelo has took them over recently with the calm fight in May. And this fight on September 17th, Liam Smith gets a big, big chance here. This just goes to show, in my opinion, I as. It's a real strange one, Ayaz, because, of course, we know that the middleweight WBC champion of the world was Canelo. He took that title off of Miguel Cotto. He defended against Amir Khan, etc. And now, obviously, the WBC ordered him to fight Golovkin or give up the belt. And, and he gave up the belt and Golovkin become the WBC champ. And everybody thought, oh, look at him. He's ducking him. He's ducking him. But then he turned around and said, oh, no, no, I'm not ducking him. I'm going to make the fight. We will be talking about the fight. But 
maybe just not in the window that the WBC have given me. So he lost the title, or he gave up the title, should I say, and then Golovkin becomes champ. And then we're waiting for some announcement. Is it going to get made? Is it going to get made? And now he's decided to move back down to 154, where he is originally a 154 fighter, and he's now going to fight Liam Smith. So it just seems that he really, really is running from Golovkin. You know, I don't like to point the finger too much on this podcast, but I'm being honest, it really does appear that he's running from Golovkin. He's moved down a weight division. Often you see fighters move up a weight division to try and run, but he's actually moved down. Is this because Golovkin can't probably chase him down? If he moved up to 168, Golovkin would probably be ready to chase him up to 168. But I don't think Golovkin will go down for anyone unless it's a real huge fight like the Mayweather fight or something like that. But yeah, Beefy gets a chance, Liam Smith. And um, what do you think about this fight, Ayaz? Has he got a real chance? I know obviously Beefy holds the WBO world light middleweight title and he's a good fighter. He's unbeaten. How do you see this fight going? Obviously, Canelo is going to be going into this fight as the favourite, but... You can't underestimate Liam Smith, so I don't. I'm not quite sure. When as the fight gets closer, I'll I'll know who I'll pick for the winner. Yeah, I don't want to go against Liam Smith, but you know, because I really do love the Smith brothers. I honestly do. I think they're all an absolute credit to the sport. I think they're brilliant. I'm a massive fan of the Smith brothers, but you know, let's have it right. You know, he won the title. He won the vacant title against John Thompson. Liam Smith, if I if I remember correctly, he's defended it against Jimmy Kelly and that other guy. I can't even remember who it was. Was it Radcevich or something like that in his last fight? He's knocked both of the, both of those guys out in his two defenses, and both of those guys are absolutely. I'm not saying look, no disrespect, but they're just not on world level. They're not even on European level. There, you know, a lot of people say that they're not even good enough to win a British title. The two guys he's defended against, maybe it's not. Liam Smith's fault. I'm not saying it's his fault, but I'm saying is that ideal preparation to fight someone like Canelo? You know, what fight has has been ideal preparation? If not, is he going to be prepared to fly in some seriously top-class sparring partners? Will he be doing that? I know that we had um, Hassan and Dam on the show recently. Hassan and Dam does a lot of sparring and stuff down at Joe Gallagher's gym. I know that well, I, do you know what I'm going to say? They're definitely sparring for this. They must be because Hassan and Dam, obviously, um, he's a bit bigger, but he, you know, he'll, he'll be in that gym and he'll be ready. And that's a good fighter to spar against. But are they going to be bringing in some other top quality people to spar with? Who are they going to bring in? They need to bring someone in because he hasn't fought anyone of, of, of even relative note. You know, like I say, I'm a huge fan of Liam Smith. I really hope he can pull it off. But... You've got to be honest here. I can't see him beating Canelo unless he does something or, you know, unless, unless, I don't know, unless something strange happens, I really can't see it happening. I'm very sorry to say that because I really love backing the Brits, but yeah, I really can't see anything happening here. Um, Ayaz, have you got anything else to say or is that the rest of the news done? Um, When Amir Khan fought Canelo, right, Khan flew over Liam Smith to uh, Virgil Gym and they actually had a sparring thing. So it would be quite good if Liam Smith gets Khan and start, if Liam Smith spars Khan ahead of his Canelo fight. Because obviously Khan's got experience fighting Canelo. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's an interesting point you're making there because Liam Smith would have had to replicate Canelo's style. So that is interesting. He's, you know, he's had to sort of... That's a very good point you brought up there, Ayas. But I don't think he'll bring in... Amir Khan, because Amir Khan is completely nothing like Canelo's style, and I, I don't think he could even try to, to fight like Canelo, you know. 
all he done, Canelo barely, you know, I don't think he won a round until he got that knockout punch. I really don't. I think Amir Khan just did what Amir Khan does and throws loads and loads of punches and flurries of punches, landed, or definitely outlanded Canelo. And um, and then Canelo just sparked him with a, with a shot. So I don't really think there's anything he can take from that fight or anything anyone can do. You know, he got hit a lot in that fight, Canelo. He wasn't troubled, but he got hit a lot. And then he landed a big a big right cross. So for me, you know, it's, it's a tough ask for Liam Smith, but I really hope I'm wrong. But I'm sure we're going to do a lot of analysis nearer the time. But we're going to leave that one there. Ayers, is there any more news or is that it for the news part? There is no other news. Okay, then. Thank you, Ayaz. Before we end part one, there's one last thing to do. Of course, it's to welcome our first guest. Okay, now it's time for our first guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome undefeated super flyweight world contender, Cal Yafaya. Cal, welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. How you doing? Yeah, very good, brother. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Not bad. Excellent stuff. Now, of course, you fought on the Joshua undercard on Saturday. Your bout wasn't televised. I know it ended very early. How did it feel in there, Cal? And also to get back out in London again for the fifth time now? Yeah, it was it was good, you know. Um, it was good to get, well, I wanted to get some rounds under me, so it's good to be out again, you know, make weight, get the eight-ounce gloves on, and, you know. It's good to feel naked again in the ring. My shorts and gloves on, but um, it's just a shame I never got to get um, more rounds under me, but I'm sure that will come. Now, going into this fight, you both had 18 fights, your 18 fights all by wins. Joseph Ajtai, your opponent, had 15 wins and three losses. He lost via TKO to Andrew Selby, a split decision to an undefeated fighter. And, his, and of course, in his last fight, he went the distance with double Olympic gold medalist Zhu Shiming. Now, you knocked him out in the first round. He was down twice. He's never been stopped that early. So surely, Cal, because I was quite shocked that it wasn't on TV, but surely you've made a bit of a statement there. Um, yeah, kind of. But, but the thing is, with these kind of fighters, I know that if I catch him clean, like I've said before, if I catch him clean, and especially if I catch him clean early, it, it's, it's going to be over and done with pretty much in the first round. So um, it was, you know, just one of them where I knew what I was, what I'm capable, I knew what I knew what I was capable of doing, and I just went in there and done done what I had to do, really. Yeah. Now you've got four first round knockouts in your last five fights now. Um, The one before last time, of course, you stopped world title challenger Dixon Flores in the first round. You haven't just come knocking on the top of the division. You're you're almost knocking the door down. When are we going to see you in a world title fight, Cal? I know that I've seen Eddie Hearn talking recently about the possibility of it happening later this year. What are the chances of it happening? Um, well, it's looking very likely now. It's looking very likely that um, I'll be fighting for the world title in October in uh, in my hometown of Brandon. So that's something I'm I'm really looking forward to, and hopefully um, Eddie can pull that off. So yeah. it's, just, it's just a waiting game really now to see um, if if I'm going to fight for the world title and who, who it's going to be. Ideally, would you like to jump straight into that next, or would you want to fight in the meantime? Um, I'll leave that down to my team really I'd let them decide what's best for me but you know it's more than likely I'd jump straight in but um, if, if I'm asked to have another fight before then I'll undertake that because you know, the more rounds or the more experience I can get the better 
Yeah, of course. Now, how much will it mean to you, Cal, not only just to join that ever-growing list of British world champions at the moment, obviously you know that boxing over this side of the world is, is on fire, but also to be the first, you know, Birmingham man to win a world title. How much would that mean to yourself? Oh, it will mean a hell of a lot, you know. Um, we've had a few world title challenges from Birmingham, but never a world champion, so for me to be the first will be um, will be absolutely massive, not, not just for the city, but for myself and my family and obviously all my team. So um, it's something I'm really excited about, something I'm really, really looking forward to doing. Now, I know that you're close with Anthony Joshua. Do you see him as the man to beat in the heavyweight division at the moment, Cal? Who's the main man, in your opinion? A lot of people obviously say Fury because of that win over Klitschko, but I know that, of course, you're closer to Joshua than you are Fury. What's your view on the whole situation at the heavyweight at the heavyweight division? Well, it's just, it, the good thing is the heavyweight division is booming at the moment. You know, we've got, there's a lot of talent flying around. You know, you, you've got Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, and I'm both of them, and... Um, you know, we've got lots of David Price also, he's, he's, he's back and he's going to be looking, knocking on the door soon also, but um, it's great that we've got this bunch of heavyweights now, and I think Joshua, obviously, he's, he's a man that everybody wants because, you know, he's, he's just a, such a massive draw in the heavyweight division, and not only that, he's, I think he's the biggest draw in boxing in the UK itself, so um, I think everyone wants a piece of him, and so I think he's a, man, he's a man that everybody wants. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Um, in the amateurs, of course, you had um, a couple of run-ins with with Andrew Selby. We had him on the show previously. Um, he, you know, he, he said a lot of nice things about yourself. To be honest, what are you making of his progress thus far in the pro ranks, Cal? He's making great progress. You know, I know him very well. Um, you know, we're good friends, and in this box each of three times now as amateurs, but. Um, yeah, he's doing really, really well, and um, he looks really, really good in his last performance. I enjoyed watching that, and um, hopefully he can he can move on, defend his British title, and win it outright before he moves on to do some better things. And now, of course, this this title opportunity for yourself is likely to come at flyweight. Um, sorry, at super flyweight. Super um, yes, yeah, sorry, my mistake. Is there any chance of you? I know that obviously, you know. It's, that's that's looking like what's next. But is there any chance that in the future you'd move up a division? Obviously, that's that's quite a, a popular division at the moment with the likes of Jamie McDonnell and Lee Haskins holding titles in that in that weight division. Yeah, why not? Um, obviously, I've got I've got things to do at, at my weight at the moment. But um, obviously, there's going to be a time. Well, hopefully, there's going to be a time where I can clean up and and look to move up. So. Um, yeah, it'll be something probably looking at in the future, no doubt. Yeah. And the last thing I want to ask you now, Cal, and I appreciate you giving us a bit of time. The last thing I want to ask you is, who's your favourite fighter right now to watch in world boxing? Like, which fighter do you watch and you think, you know, you enjoy watching the most? Is it someone very technical, like Mayweather sort of style, or do you like the knockouts, like Golovkin? Who do you like to watch, Cal? You know, I've got, I haven't got an, an actual favourite one. I've got a favourite three or four, so that they'll be like, um, obviously, a lot of watching Golovkin, a lot of watching Lomachenko, and a lot of watching Andre Ward. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot, they're, they're probably my three top favourite fighters at the moment to watch, and a bit of Terence Crawford as well, so. Yeah. There's so many that I like watching, but I do like watching aggressive fighters, and I do like watching people that 
hopefully one will knock people out. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't disagree with that. Also, I just want to get your opinion quickly because it's um it's a fight that's been made this week. Um, Liam Smith taking on Canelo. Do you give Liam Smith a chance in this fight? I know we all you know we all want him to win, but it's it's of, it's of course a, a bit of a tough ask for him. What do you think about that fight, Cal? Yeah, it's a great fight. Um, I think I think the style of him, the job very well. Canelo, you know, he's he's, he's another one who I love watching, but. I like I like the Smith style. I like the way he goes about his business, and um, I think it, it just gels to be a good fight. Um, and I actually believe that that Liam Smith can do a better job than what Khan did before he got knocked out. Um, I think he's you know he's younger. He's I think he's fresher. Um, he hasn't been he hasn't been in, in tough fights. Um, so he, I think he'll be a lot fresher, and he's an actual light middleweight also. So. I think um, he's got every chance, every chance to go go out there and do a job, but um, he's a tough ask. Yeah, he's a tough ask, but yeah, I hope you're right. I really hope he can go out there and and, and pull off the upset. Okay, just before I let you go, Cal, I want to give you a chance to thank some of your sponsors. Yeah, my sponsors. Um, I'd like to thank Luke at Elite Scaffolding for supporting me throughout my career um, from the very early days, even up to now, and um, I'd like to thank Premier Estate. Um, Arabian Nights, Team Dead Fitness and Premium Fitness, all their support. Absolutely. Okay, Cal, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, my friend. It really is good to speak to one of the brightest prospects in British boxing. And I'm not just saying that. I really, when it comes to, we've got a lot of contenders right now, boxing's on fire, but I really think you, it's almost like it's certain that you're going to be a world champion, in my view anyway. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show, sir. God willing. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. We're going to start with a card that's taking place over in Jamaica. We were going to start with the the woman, Petrus Super Champ, but we, we made that part of part one. That's that's not really a, you know, a fight that we're going to preview. We're going to start over in Kingston, Jamaica. Former world champion Demarcus Chop Chop Corley. His record at the moment, 46 wins, 27 losses and one draw. He faces a guy called Richard Holmes, who has a record of 11 wins and five losses. It's a real strange fight, but this is a fight taking place at welterweight. I believe there was like a little welterweight tournament called the Contender. This is the final of that little tournament. So all the best to both guys here. Former world champion Demarcus Corley, of course, has, you know, he's got over 80 fights on his record and he's fighting a guy who's only got 15 fights. So it's a really strange one, but made a best man win regardless. That's it for Jamaica. We're now going to go over to... Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, USA, top of the bill, Guillermo Jones. His record at the moment, 40 wins, three losses and two draws. He's facing Garrett Wilson, who has a record of 16 wins, 10 losses and one draw. This is up at heavyweight. It's only a six rounder. I don't really know what Guillermo Jones is doing these days, but this will be a fight that he should surely, surely win. His opponent really has nothing to you know, to, to present as a, as a threat here at all. Also on this bill, Amir Imam, 18-1. and one. He faces Wilfredo Acuna, 16 wins, 19 losses. This is up at super lightweight. It's only a six-rounder, and Amir Imam will probably win this pretty easily. Apart from that, some really, really weird fights on the bill. No one really of note at all to mention. And we're going to finish with this last bill here. As I said, there's really not too much to preview. Friend of the show, 
Jamel Herring, 15 and 0. He faces Denis Shafikov. Now, this is a fight that's scheduled for 10 rounds in the lightweight division. Denis Shafikov, 36 wins, two losses, and one draw. This is going to be a real make or break fight for Jamel Herring. I say make or break, it's not really going to break if he were to, you know, to, to lose this fight, but it's definitely a make fight. You know, a loss to him, he could probably bounce back. He's still fresh enough to do that. But Denis Shafikov's only lost twice, and both those losses to world champions. So, Jamel Herring, this is going to be a good fight. I hope we can watch it somehow over this side of the pond. But Jamel Herring, as I say, good friend of the show, and I really hope he can pull this win off. And if he does, he really does rubber stamp his name in that lightweight division. Also on that bill, Patrick Sismanski. 15-0, and 0. he faces Wilkie Kampfert. Wilkie Kampfert we've had previously on the show back in 2015. The back end of that, he fought Jamal Charlo. That's Jamal Charlo, um, the, 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 you know, the guy who held the, the world title at 154 first out of the two Charlo twins. And Wilkie Kampfert actually come up short on that night. One of his two losses are two Jamal Charlo, but he's looking to get back in the picture against an unbeaten fighter here, 15 and 0 record. So all the best to Wilkie Kampfer on that one. And that really is all we've got for you on the previewing part of the show this week. We're now going to welcome our second guest. Okay, now it's time for our second guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome former IBF light middleweight title challenger, Silky Wilkie Kampfer. Wilkie, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you back on again. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate the opportunity, man. You guys are having back on the show again. Thank you. How you doing? How you guys are doing today? Yeah, we're doing well. How about you? Uh, I'm doing good. Just training and uh, training on my way to the gym right now. I speak, uh, getting ready for my upcoming fight this week on ESPN. Huh? Okay, good stuff, good stuff. Um, so we're with you on the road. It's good, it's good. Wilkie, it's been a while since we last spoke. We spoke just before your world title challenge against Jamal Charlo. What's been going on from then until now? Uh, everything's been, uh, you know, it's been uh, like after that fight, though, man, it was, a, it was a sad loss and stuff like that. I wasn't happy with the way things went, you know. Like, I prepared myself the best that I could, me and my team and stuff. But I just wasn't happy with the way things went. So, you know, after the fight, I went on, like, you know, depression and stuff like that. It's like, wasn't really training, wasn't really training, but I, I still went back to the gym, like, helping out the kids and stuff like that. And my gym helped them get ready for their tournament. But it was kind of sad for me because I didn't like the way the fight went because it was my chance. It was my, it was a big opportunity, man, for me to accomplish my dream of becoming a world title. But that didn't happen. So now I just put that behind me, man. I just, I just put that behind me and looking forward to the fight, uh, to the fight this Saturday. Yeah, because I know that you were you were quite happy with the notice that you got for that fight because obviously you haven't yeah. been given long notice for a lot of your fights. Nah. Um, I know that you're. Obviously, you said there you, you you were a little bit depressed after that fight, which I'm yeah. I'm sad to I'm sad to hear. How long have you been yeah. in the gym? How much notice have you had for this upcoming fight on Saturday? Uh, with this fight, with this fight right here, believe it or not, I have more time to prepare this fight than my title fight. My title fight, I only had like four four and a half to get ready for it. But with this fight right here, they they gave me like a they gave me five weeks and stuff like this. So I've been training. I have a trainer that I'm working with with uh, Tony Morgan. And then uh, I don't know if you guys familiar with his name. He's a he's a former trainer of uh, Andre Berger, so I'm training with him now. So 
it's just that he's been helping me a lot, you know, teaching me different things, and you know, I'm learning, you know. Yeah, that's a good link up. I'm here. I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that. Um, of course, you're jumping right back in at the deep end a little bit here against another undefeated fighter by the name of Patrick Simansky. I think I've got that right. Yeah. How yeah, much do you know about your opponent, uh, Wilkie? How much I, do you know about him? I don't really know. I don't really know much about this kid. I don't really know much about him. One thing I know, I know is uh, he's a young, hungry, undefeated kid and stuff like that. And then he go and then it's my job. To come this Saturday just to take it, to take the O away from his record and stuff, and then that's what we've been working on. I've been pushing myself at the gym and stuff like that, you know, so just to make the upset, you know, get an upset. Yeah. Now, of course, he's fifteen and O. Um, something that I realize is this fight made at middleweight. Uh, he's been he's been uh, I believe he has a few fights as uh, at, at middleweight, but you know he had a few fights at middleweight, but I don't know, you know how these guys are, man, they come up and down the weight and stuff like that. But me, it's like my goal, I want to get down to 147 because, like, I walk around, like, when it comes fight times and stuff, like, I don't have to kill myself and struggle and go on diet and stuff. Like, lose, or I have to lose, like, 15 or 20 pounds and stuff like that to make the 154 limits. I walk around, like, 10 pounds, 10 pounds above my fighting weight. But my goal was to get down to 147, but when this fight came to the table, I didn't have no time. They didn't give me enough time just to get down to 147, so I took this fight at 154. Okay, so this fight, so just to confirm, this fight is at light middle, yeah? Yeah, this fight right here is a light middle weight, 154, 154 pound limit. Okay, good stuff, okay. Um, now, of course, you said before to us when you was on the show last time that you love fighting on the road, and the crowds booing you actually gives you an extra kick. Now, I know that this yeah. guy's Polish. He's had a few fights. His, his last few fights have been in the USA, but I believe yeah. you're the away fighter here. Is that right? Yeah, like, believe it or not, though, man, it's like, uh, even though he's from Polish, because, like, uh, over there in uh, Pennsylvania, it's a big Polish-like uh, community over there, like, the population over there, the Polish is very big over there, so it's like, you know, I'm going to, it's like, it's, his, it's like his hometown, I'm going to his hometown, so this is like nothing, this is, this is nothing new, I'm used to that, so, you know, I just got to go over there and just do what I got to do, you know, do what I got to do, just ignore the crowd and do what I have to do just to get the win, you know. So, are you expecting a, host, a hostile reception? I know you'll be you'll be hoping for one. The way, yeah, the way that yeah, you like it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I never like uh, ever since uh, since I started boxing, man. Ever since I started boxing, I never had like uh, I never had it easier and stuff like that. I had to take fights. So most of my fights been in, been in my opponents like the opponents backyard, you know. So I always find a way to get the W until the last fight with uh with uh with uh what's the name with the uh, with Charlo and stuff like that, you know. But this is nothing new to me, man. Going to my uh, going to my opponent's backyards, man, and fight. You know, I just gotta go. It's just, it pushed me, it gives me extra motivation. I know there's nothing. They're not they're not there for me. They're there for their guys. So it's my time to keep them quiet. It's what I have to do just to get the win. You know? Yeah, of course. And I wanted to ask you: Are you still linked up with Al Heyman? Yeah, I'm still with him. How's that working out? I know that obviously you you linked up. Not you haven't been with him for 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 that many fights, but obviously you were with him during the Charlo fight. You 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 know you didn't come out the right outcome for yourself. But how's yeah, things have, with uh, Al Heyman? Uh, things are going. Things are going good. It was still things are going good. They still you know because they're the one that got me this fight right here. Things are going good. But even though I was talking with Al Heyman, I still I still have to go over there. You know, if boxing is just like a job, you still got to go in there and performing it to win. Like, the more you win, 
the the, the better opportunity you will get in in in, in, in this the game of boxing. Not just in boxing, but in life, in the ring, in out the ring. You know, so yeah, we still talk, we still talk. Everything's still good, you know. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Now, I wanted to ask you um, your thoughts on Jamel Charlo winning a world title. Um, of course, he was losing that fight to John Jackson, it seemed, until he found that that weird punch, actually. I thought it was yeah, quite strange. Yeah. I remember watching that fight. What do you think about that? Because now both the twins are both holding titles at 154. Yeah, I was... Uh... It was kind of it was it hurt me a little bit because I know John I know John's just an amateur and him his brother his family man he's very very nice guy he's very humble I was really I was I was I was going with John to me quite easily you know me but you know once again it's boxing one punch to change the fight you know so he lost and stuff but I believe though man he'll bounce back and then he'll get another opportunity to fight to fight for the title and win the title. Yeah, I was speaking to Julius actually on the night of that fight. Um, he's a really good guy, as you as you said, really good family, yeah. the Jackson family. Yeah, his, his whole family, man, his whole family, his brother, his dad, those guys, they very nice guys, very humble, cool people. You know, I have nothing but respect and love for them. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, I wanted to ask you, how's your how's your own boxing gym going? How's the bulldog boxing gym going? Are you still training uh, uh, kids at the moment? Yeah, the gym. Most of the kids, I'm not, I'm not, because uh, the gym we had to close the gym. We had to close the gym because we didn't pass for some, some reason because we didn't own the building and then we didn't pass the fire code and then we didn't pass, the, we didn't pass the fire code and then the city came. They put a notice on the door. Either we had to fix the problem or close the gym. And then when we went and approached the building's owner and stuff like to fix the problem, they didn't want to fix the problem. So if we would have stayed. We would get fine, so we had to close the gym down. But now we are currently we're looking for another, we're looking for another spot though to reopen the gym and stuff like that. So we'll be back in business pretty soon. I really hope so because I know that outside of the ring, that was something that you you enjoyed doing. You know that, and of course, as you're saying, you you were a little bit low after that fight. I'm sure um, if the gym was buzzing, it would have picked you up a little bit. You know? Yeah, believe it or not, though, man, around right the time after the loss, though, the gym was still open. And then when I went back to the gym and stuff like that, the way the kids, it was just cheers still cheering me on and stuff like that. It was like coaches, no matter what happened, you still champion for us and stuff like that. So they helped me out a lot, though, man. Like, you know, so we need to open the gym back up, though, man, just to help out the kids and stuff like that. It was a good, it was a good thing because there's, there's still a lot of parents calling my phone, asking me, they're telling me, like, ever since the gym is closing down and stuff like that, a lot of the kids, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing because, like, with, at my gym, it wasn't just about boxing. We were teaching the kids like this, spinning and like stuff, this, spinning everything, respect. You know, we wasn't teaching the boxing how to fight and things like that. You know, so sooner or later, hopefully everything goes well, and then we'll find a we'll we'll find a a, a place for this to reopen the gym, stuff like get back to get back to the community and stuff. You know? Yeah, I wish you all the best with that. And finally, um, finally, Wilkie, I just wanted to get your opinion on a fight that's been made in the 154 division this week. We thought we were going to see at some point Canelo against Golovkin, but it seems like Canelo's gone down. He's now fighting Liam Smith, one of our fighters from over here. I know that yeah, you've yeah. taken a look at Liam Smith yourself, but what do you think about that fight, Wilkie? What's your opinion uh, there? I- I, I think he'll be. I think he'll. Believe it or not, a lot of people in a lot of people in America don't know anything. They don't know much about Smith. But I've watched him. I, I keep my eyes on all the guys in my weight class and stuff like that. Because like he has to study. Because believe it or not, though, man, they are your future opponent. So I've seen. I've seen Smith. I saw him fight like 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 twice and stuff like that. He's a very good fighter. And then believe it or not, I'm pulling for him. 
to put the I'm, I'm pulling for him to to upset Canelo and stuff like that because what Canelo did it was like to me was in uh, it was in the right thing him giving up his belt and stuff like that not to fight DDC that was like that was that was cool at all you know <laughs> so I'm pulling for Smith though man to get W. Yeah, so am I. I really hope that he can. Um, finally, yeah. the last thing I wanted to ask you now, Wilkie. I know that you don't know a shed load about your opponent, but have you got any type yeah. of prediction for this fight? If so, please tell us. Uh, for this fight right here, man, it's always like my 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 attitude is like this, though, man. I go because I know the judges, the opponent, they always against me. You know what I mean? They're always against me, and I just like against. They always against the Haitian fighters and stuff like this. So. I know this kid ain't going to have a lot of people in the crowd backing him up, you know. So, my thing right here, though, man, I'm just going down there, man. Whatever happens, I ain't going for no decision. I'm, I'm all, That's always been my attitude, you know, me going for the KO. So, if I get it, cool. If I don't, I'm hoping just the, the judges just be fair with me and give me a, give me a, give me a, give a, give me a, a, a fair decision, you know. So, I'm going there just to do the best I can just to, to, just to get it up because I hate losing, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, of course. And also on that bill, Jamel Herring, another good guy. He, he's been on the show before. And uh, of course, he's on that bill with you as well. So I'd like to just say, Wilkie, thank you very much for giving us a bit of time. We're just a couple of days out from the fight. A lot of fighters would say, no, I'm in, I'm in the, you know, I'm getting my mind frame on. I can't talk to you till after. But yeah. in your case, yeah. I really appreciate you speaking to us, brother. And I wish you the absolute no, no. best of luck no, no for, for Saturday thank night. You, thank, you, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys for having us. Sure, thanks a lot. It's thank always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. You have a good one. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 39 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Aya Sumra has been Aya Sumra. We're going to keep our eyes peeled firmly on the result for Petra Super Champ. We really hope she can do the business over the weekend. A massive thank you to our two guests that took part in this week's show undefeated, super talented prospect, Cal Yafai, surely the next Brit to win a world title. We really believe in him here and we really wish the best for his future. So thank you very much to Cal Yafai. And also thank you very much to one of the nicest guys I've ever interviewed. He really is, Wilkie Campfort. You'll see yourself there that he's a really nice guy and we wish him all the best. He's on his journey to become a world champion. He fouled against Jamal Charlo in November 2015. Now he's jumped straight back in. No warm-up fight. Straight back in with a guy who's 15-0 and 0, and he's in that fight to lose. So I really hope he can pull the upset. Of course, the biggest thank you of all goes to the listeners that make this show what it is. I'm very sorry about the cold. I've managed to get through this week's show with my cold. I hope it hasn't annoyed people too much remember you can reach out to us via twitter at box hard podcast and also if you do get a chance if any of our listeners get a chance please leave us a review on itunes that'd be very very appreciated we'll read that out if you leave one for us that'd be really appreciated once again thank you very much for listening to this show and making it what it is we'll be back next week with another big show as always until then take care <laughs>